welcome back to <laughs> another episode well, of The Great Rift. Hi. I'm Jamie. Hi Jamie, I'm Dave. Yes, it's been a while. Yeah, a it feels time. like a very long time. Again, I'm going to re- repeat ourselves a million times, but it's just life. Life keeps getting in the way. Oh. Um, yeah. So what book are we doing this episode, Jamie? Well, we're finally going to finish the opening trilogy of the Horus Heresy with Galaxy in Flames. Fuck yes. Fucking great book. By Ben Counter? Yep, by Ben Counter. I guess before we dive into the the cataclysmic nightmare that is Istvan 3. Is it Istvan 3? It is Istvan 3, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this fan three. Um, news and stuff. Uh, so uh, we're this is the end of season one. You know, this is our last episode of the year. Um, and yeah. Jay, you know, Jamie went out and got some cool feedback from you guys, which we're going to take into the new year. So I'll let him uh, riff on that. Yeah. So what's up? So yeah, we started this in January. Yeah. I think we called our first episode. Um, we try to do one every month, I think. So what we this is episode what? Nine? Nine. Eight or nine? Yeah. Nine. So we're almost almost, almost got there. A few close. short. But yeah. yeah. So um yeah, we I I I'm reflecting back on this first year. We thought, well, what could you know, it it, it done well and it's progressed to a certain stage, but I feel like we could just uh take it to the next level, as yeah. it were. Yeah. So um, we thought maybe we ask what you guys thought we could do, and there seemed to be an emphasis on us maybe splitting out the game news hobby section to the Black Library book review section that we do, and maybe doing a smaller, quicker podcast on like just the hobby section. So that could include news that have come out, what we've done, games we played, painting, yada yada. We can cover that a bit more in depth than we do now and then also we could do a book review episode where we can spend which would probably be shorter now but yeah. we could probably spend a bit more effort on just just the books and they can come out when we've actually read it and there's no <laughs> no need to keep pushing on being like oh we haven't recorded an episode where we can just call it a hobby episode instead exactly yeah. exactly yeah I, th- I think it was a it was one of those light bulb moments, right? Where we just went, oh, that actually makes sense. If we just do a, like, I see it in my head as like almost like a leapfrog. So we do one, then you do the other, then you do one, you do the other. And you, we can just, it'd be nice and um, fluid. Because, you know, I know it's hard for you, it's hard for me as well. Like making sure we can keep our evenings free. And just yeah. work and putting kids to bed and shit. It's just fucking nightmare sometimes to commit to a whole evening to do an episode. And it's actually all I ever want to bloody do. And... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, the hobby episode, we can just go, right, this has come out from Games Workshop, we can have a quick discussion, Bash could be a half an hour, 45 minute episode, which is easier sometimes. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'd, I'd like to get people's first feedback, like, feel free to message us on whatever and just say what you think is, if you think it's a good idea, um, or anything else we could add to it, I guess. Like, um, I guess, yeah, for me, the, the one thing we've not touched on is, um, we're going to start looking, I guess it's, pretty cool we're going to start looking at getting guests to come on episodes every now and then it's not something we've done yet um mostly people that are in the hobby um i've spoken to a few people that are well known in the podcasting world and hopefully get them on but also maybe just you know people whose opinions we value and respect and our friends and stuff like 
someone that as long as it's a, a good contribution i don't want it to be like uh, everyone and their dog come on an episode but <laughs> do you know what i mean like it, I, I can see that being really cool and really nice like getting this like third third opinion on, on a book or someone teaching us something cool about the hobby like painting and shit that we don't know yet yeah so yeah every now and yeah every now and then when we get the opportunity yeah it would be good to have yeah we can have someone else on and then we'll try and record more in person as well so yeah yeah so we've got we good goals yeah, yeah. Just so, get really boozy, just record, basically. Yeah, exactly. Get pissed. Although the way I'm feeling right now, I don't want to drink ever again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the cool news. Um, trying to think, if there's any other cooler news? Um, no, not from me. I don't think. Um, no, I mean, what else is there to talk about? We can literally just finish the episode. Yeah. Now Bye. Happy Christmas. Um, <laughs> let's let's go straight into our, uh, you know one of our favourite segments on hobby. Um, go on, Jamie. What have you been doing hobby-wise? Oh, oh, I can't. What have I been doing since last episode? Um, cause I've been away again loads. So I took. Oh, I got um, did, uh, for Blood Bowl. I got Joseph Bugman. He's got like two versions. He's got like his coach version and he's got his player version. He's like a star player for Blood Bowl. So if you don't know, in Blood Bowl, you can if you play like a league, you can you get you get money and then you can spend that money on more players or star you can hire star players so Bugman he's pretty cool obviously he's a legendary brewer in the old fantasy fantasy realm um, he as a coach he's pretty cool he basically has a keg of beer and he gives you if you're I think it's if you're injured and you roll a one you can re-roll it or, or, or something like that so yeah basically the dwarves are just getting getting especially hyped up from this beer Nice. And then, as if your player, if your player gets injured or taken off, he come, he's basically like a super in-your-face coach that just runs onto the pitch and then joins as a player. And if he joins in the first half, he's like kind of sober, so he's a bit faster. Um, yeah, he's a bit. He's not as drunk. And this, if he comes on the second half, he's slower, but he's like really wrestly, like really drunk and wrestly. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. So yeah, basically you just want him to come on in the second half and just like tackle people. Nice. So he's, I did him. That's pretty. It was a pretty cool model from Forge World. And then I also did um, the other star player of the dwarfs is um, Grim Ironjaw, which I, I really loved the old model of him because he had like massive sovereign rings on his on his fists oh, and like nice. um, a full on nose chain as well. Like uh, Go Trex. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's really really cool. Oh, what else? Oh, I started another. I did the. I started doing the other painting. My other um, knight armager, which I really love doing. They're really cool to paint. They are. They 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 look really nice. I'd love to paint one. Um, but they're sort of really. They're sort of easy, but not. But you can go into like loads of deep. Like I've, do more it, work on it. It's funny you mention that. So you know, you sent me the um, uh, the blight haulers. Mm. Um, I've noticed that there are some models now that are coming out, and they're so detailed, but not in a complex i can't be bothered to paint this way like big panels of space and they, they you can build them quickly and easily do you know what i mean like it's just a bit yeah, easier yeah. to get it done um and i was looking at them like god i could put these together in about a minute they're literally just big yeah. bits that you just click together and then i know when it comes to painting it'll be big bits that you can just do really quickly yeah it's cool <clears throat> yeah i think i haven't I've never painted a knight but i can actually see a knight being sort of similar where most of it is just fucking silver and you can wash, grime, dry brush, oh, yeah. etc. I, I painted mine. I'm looking at it now, really quickly. It was, it was a yeah. joy as well. It was really fun. 
Yeah, so that's similar to not armature. Basically, most of it is that, and then you can go nuts with the weathering, etc., on the carapace and things like that. So yeah, pre. So what I've been doing as well. I just today I was at work, just trying to. It's my last day at work, so I was on my lunch break. I was like, oh, I just need to finish all the body work, and then I'll be all like, you know, you just want to set that target to finish before a break. Yeah. So, so for, for for listeners that don't know, Jamie doesn't do any work at work. He paints Warhammer all day at his desk. Don't, don't say that. My work, <laughs> my, well, my work's not going to listen. But no, that. <laughs> Um, you jammy yeah, kid. It's quite relaxed. I, I know I've been there a long time. I get my work done. So on lunch breaks, you know, tea breaks, you know, when people go out for a smoke or stuff, you just every ten, you know, when you got ten, three, ten, fifteen minutes at work, I just yeah, my work's quite cool. I just pick up a model that's next to me and just you know do a panel, do a bit of you know a couple of edge highlights, and then go back to. It's a great way of getting stuff done. Yeah, because it's just like. Um, I work in the digital space and it's all about iterative stages, you know, not long timelines, but do things in small, quick, sharp bursts. It's amazing yeah. how much more you can get done when you do that. Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, I probably yeah, get done about half an hour, 45 minutes each day. So yeah, it's just a way to get in. Because obviously yeah. when I come home and I've got a two-year-old, that just does not happen. And yeah. I'm just tired. Yeah. I just want to crawl into a bed. So. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Like, um, when I used to live with um, James, um, I'm listeners I've spoken about him before he's an old housemate we um we committed to this like practice almost like we'd do an hour a day so the theory was seven hours a week so like if you didn't do an hour on a Monday just bolt it onto the Tuesday and do two hours but like yeah. every day after work when we were single and free and full of beans <laughs> um but you know I got a shit ton painted I used to paint an army in about a month because it was just like little and often just got it all done um, yeah, exactly. So that's my top tip to any listeners. If you have got a work that's possible in your lunch break, you know, do half an hour in your lunch break or, as you say, in tea breaks or if you're smoking, don't smoke. Instead of going outside for ten, five, ten minutes, go and pick up a model and paint, I don't know, paint a panel paint, and do a edge highlight and then go back to work. So, yeah, you you get find out that you can quite quickly cut through some work. Yeah, sure. yeah, nice. Very sound advice from Jamie. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else. I'm sure. I've, I'm sure there was some other hobby stuff, and it would come to me. But I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I read the other book of um, the Mars trilogy that we we did the first. Go. Okay, if you listeners go back to our previous episode, you'll see, see us review the first book. Um, I read the second book in that trilogy. Um, yeah, it was cool. I already got into it. I'm interested to see what happens in the last part because. So shit hit the fan at the end of that second book. So, yeah, it's funny because you told me you were reading it. I was like, oh shit, yeah, I'll read that. And um, for some reason, I got about two chapters in and I haven't picked it up since. I don't know what happened yeah. to me. I think I need to be in the mood. Yeah, definitely. I'm having the same thing with um, Trollslayer a bit at the minute. I might just restart over Christmas and just bash for it. Mm. I started reading the first story and then I just sort of tailed off a bit. Yeah. No, I loved reading it, to be honest, because it was short, sharp stories, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, what else hobby is that it I think so I don't yeah. think I've done anything else I'm boring well, I've been fucking manic in like in terms of hobby um, <clears throat> like I've listened to three audiobooks in the last because you know I walked to work so I started doing more audiobook stuff because it just um, you know I've got half an hour walk each way that's actually you know you can burn through shit quite quick yeah um, yeah sure I don't tell a lie, I've done two. Um, I'm lying. 
Uh, I've done Soul Wars and Hell's Reach. Soul Wars is absolutely brilliant. Um, and I wish I bought the fucking limited edition when we were up in Black Library when it came out. Yeah, man, yeah. Um, honestly, um, it's put the grim dark into, into Age of Sigmar. And I've liked Age of Sigmar the second it came out. And I'm, But there's that stupid, like, oh, it's for kids, it's Duplo. Like, it's not. It's fucking grim and horrible. Like, it's, it's a really, really good book. Highly recommend it. Um... And the, the the I don't know if you've li- you've listened to older audiobooks, right? And some of the newer ones, the pro- yeah. the production value on the newer ones is just a cut above the rest. Um, yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, because sure. the Hell's Reach one I'm listening, I've just finished listening to. Um, it sounds some of it sounds like this podcast. Like you can tell it's in a room. Do you know what I mean? Like you can tell it's in a room. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not in a studio. That's an old book, isn't it? As well, Hell's Reach. I didn't realize how, like. How long ago? Well, it's not that long ago. But I mean, in, in terms of like Black 40k books, yeah, yeah, it's quite an old book. Yeah, 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 absolutely, it really is. I, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Oh yeah, and especially now that uh, YouTube series came out, that guy who did the animation of it. Yeah, and yeah, mysteriously yeah. stopped doing it. Like didn't, didn't <laughs> yeah. finish it, and everyone was saying, "Where is he? And where's he gone?" And then Games Workshop this week dropped a fucking trailer for a new TV show they're doing, and it's with him. Which is just brilliant. Like, good for him. No like, wonder, because it's like a fucking advertisement to how good I am yeah. on that series. So. Yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. Well, um, I preferred the earlier episodes where it was like really like grainy, like a pencil drawing. I well, thought that was really cool and moody. And as you you can tell, like as you got a bit more confident and better, the production started to go up. But I really liked that because it made every episode feel different. It reminded that's true. It, true. it reminded me of. Um, do you remember the Animatrix? That came yes, out like yeah. after the Matrix, and it was like a different type of animation for each episode. Remember yeah, it was like flipping the lid because it was all like actually tried to explain what was happening in the fucking second film. Oh, like, you got to watch the Animatrix to find out. Yeah, like, okay. they're, they're both they're, they're absolute nonsense films. Uh, two and three, you just <laughs> just burn them from your memory. Leave it at one and be done with it. Um, other hobby, uh, I played loads of Shadespire. I've done three nights of Shadespire with Dan in the last month, which has been fantastic. I got um, my, uh, is his name Steelheart, whatever his name is, the, the, the three. Yeah. yeah, I got them three done. Um, really followed uh, the Duncan guides. Uh, no, not Duncan, it was um, it was actually Peachy. an article. I don't know if it's Peachy or Duncan. It, it was someone who's painted Hallowed Nights on the Warhammer community page and it was a proper detailed old school step by step you know and it's like every picture to show you every single thing absolute joy to paint but they're the first thing I've painted in a long time that looked like they could go in the games workshop window like it's I've painted it the exact way they paint so and I haven't done that in a long time like I really took my time on it um yeah they're cool yeah thank you I've I've really enjoyed painting them um yeah so loads of shades fire. I love painting those, those stormcasters. Are so really, they're really nice to paint, really easy to paint. But also intricate. There's and loads and loads of detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me and Dan, yeah, we did like three separate different nights of playing shades fire, and we didn't realise until the third time, like last week, we'd been getting some of the rules wrong, and they're quite <laughs> like fundamental rules. But weirdly enough, we looked it up online and like. A lot of people agreed with me and Dan in that the I love Games Workshop and I love everything you're doing, but that rules book for Shadespire is shit. 
it's not clear half the time. There's too much. Um, I don't know what the right term is in terms of like rules lawyering, but there's too much um, assumption. Do you know what I mean? There's no. Yeah, yeah. It's not sure, super clear. Yeah. We didn't realise that wounds don't carry over. So little things like that. So you do. You basically get a number of opportunities to cause that precise amount of damage. It's not that amount of damage per successful roll. So no, yeah. So we were doing things like we were, oh cool, my guy hit twice. That's that's four wounds. You're dead. We didn't realise that. Oh no, doesn't matter how many went through. You just take two wounds. That really changed the game for us because suddenly my guys were way harder. Like it, it just you know my 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 um storm guys were just suddenly a lot lot harder. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's the point, isn't it? Because when you've got a team of three, you're it's very it's meant to be quite rare that you actually die. But yeah, when you've got like scaven and stuff that can come back as well. Then, yeah, yeah. It's just and we we couldn't believe it. But then when we looked up, loads of people have done the same mistake. So yeah, whatever. At least we don't play competitively, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm sort of less interested in just playing with the magic stuff as well I don't know I just not that interested yeah in that Dan so Dan has bought um, so I've only got the main box I've not bought I, I've bought the Skaven but I've not built them yet Dan's got all the new stuff but he hasn't bought the actual set by all the new stuff I mean he's got that Tzinch warband and he got the goblins oh yeah and they've yeah, got yeah. loads of new rules like that are totally different that require different dice and the way the um Fanatic moves is totally different. Like it's really bizarre, and they're fucking lethal. Like they just absolutely wreck face. Um, but yeah, it's really really fun and really really good. Um, we're slowly but surely learning that you know it's about the card deck you build for yourself is really probably the most important way of playing. Um, yeah, you have to get that right, otherwise you're just not going to win. Um, <laughs> so GW sent out a thing like cards you can literally cannot use now because it's just. They're just broken. <laughs> yeah, they basically banned cards from tournaments because it just doesn't make sense. But I love that. I love they've turned around and gone, that wasn't the intention of that card. And now it's been tested. We're not going to let that be used because it's just not being played as intended. Yeah, that's true. Which I respect. I think that's the way you keep a game alive because otherwise you can predict what decks people are going to have. Yeah, I think it's easy because when you, I know in X Wing they used to like change the wording on a card, which becomes really confusing because you've got a physical card that's not got the right wording on, and everyone, you're like, oh, but it says this, but oh no, it says this. You just go, that card you just can't use. Right? Yeah. Just don't use it at all. It just makes it a lot easier to know. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay. But then you've got yeah. that danger of people going, but well, I paid money for it. It's like, oh, yeah, you did. You're right. Oh, you, you pay it. And there's, there's a shit ton of cards in there, mate. Just it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's not that. It's not. Just roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than Shade played um, uh, Age of Sigmar. You know, I haven't actually touched 40k in a while, which is sad. But played Age of Sigmar. Um, managed to get my Death Force up to just shy of 1,500, which is a great number for playing Age of Sigmar at an early stage, like when you're still learning the rules properly. Yeah. Um, well, I say not learning the rules. The rules are easy. Uh, I mean mastering how your force works because. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. I'm actually not brilliant at picking up on what an army is good at straight away. I'm much more of a... I'm like this at work. I'm much more of a... I need to get my hands dirty and try it. I'm terrible at um, book learning. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, read yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I don't read a codex or an army book and go, I know exactly how to build this horse. I just go, he looks cool. That unit's really fucking rad. I want to try that out. And I just 
either make it work or in some cases have an army that always loses um, but yeah my force has been really fun um, so me and Dan played a 1500 point game um, and I won which was sick um, Man Manfred von Karstein on his Dread Abyssal just wrecked face like it's so much fun to use something that big and terrifying um, the spirit host stuff so this like the night haunt bits that I've got in the army um, like the hex wraiths and the spirit hosts and the banshee were all fucking brilliant like you know when you're using stuff and you really genuinely enjoy using it like you've not taken chaff because your army has to have it you've taken what you want yeah um, yeah I felt like a kid again you know I remember painting that old metal banshee with red hair about 15 years ago and now I'm using the updated version in plastic and it just it felt right I was just like I fucking love the undead like, I love death they're so cool um, so yeah played some Major Sigmar um, and the last thing is um, me Dan Scott and James are doing a Warhammer Age of Sigmar 2019 uh, narrative campaign so we're not going to have a table or anything we're going to write a story together over the next year so it's, we're only going to play six games and we're going to play them every two months but I'm creating, I've nearly finished it, I'm creating a games pack. So it's going to have like, I've got, I've been going through all of the general handbook, the rule book, and some of the Warhammer Army books I've got now. And just like finding a way of telling a story using the factions we've all got. Um, but I'm, I'm not, um, oh what's that, there's a noise coming, there might be you, no. Like I'm trying to think of what the right term is, I'm not setting out exactly how you have to play I'm just giving a nice little taster into these armies are in this place, we're in this location let's now tell a story together does that make sense? yeah that sounds cool yeah it's it's um, it's um it's been hard making it actually because I spend a lot of my time at work with powerpoints <laughs> and I've just spent my free time looking at powerpoints and like trying to I've, I've tried to make it look legit like actually like a games workshop made product I don't know if that's illegal or not, but you know, like getting the branding right in it and everything. I want everyone to be really immersed in it, feeling real. Um, and what's cool is like um, Dan collects uh, chaos. He's got a Tzitz army full of magic and spells. James has got order. James is doing the storm cast, um, and they look wonderful. Um, I can share some pictures later. Scott's doing destruction with orcs or orcs, and I've got death. So like unintentionally, we've got the four. Um, the four main factions, which is really cool. So um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's um it's it's going to be really fun. I hope it's. I've tried to keep it as loose as possible, but just like hinting at stuff as we go. I don't want it to come across as a. Um, you won this game, so you have to do this now, and then this person has to do this, and they. I want it to be. Hey guys, that game was really fucking fun. So what do we think happens next? And then we go and write it because at the end of it, after a year. I almost want to like present it as like, look at this cool thing we did over the last year. Do you know what I mean? Like, collaboration over dictating the story, <coughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to have like to play a game and not just be sort of pointless. It's good to have some yeah, something yeah. to what happens and so yeah. I, I've got to try and come up with a reason why Manfred is in the realm of shadows, which is where it's going to be set. And that, I just think yeah, that's right. fun. He's he's a named main character in Age of Sigma. But I'm I'm making my own little side story for him, and I just think that's really cool and could be really really fun. So yeah, really look. Um, 
and that's it for hobby from me. Cool. Shall we get into the main event? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have nothing really else <coughs> Warhammer-wise to talk about, except I went to watch Aquaman the other day, and it was okay. It wasn't shit. It wasn't shit. That's my review. And That's just what you want when you spend months of your time making a movie. It was passable. Yeah. It, it was fine. Better than, better than the other shit films they've made, so yeah. There's so many shit films. I just I don't watch films anymore. I just find myself watching old films that I've watched a million times. Yeah. Then I can't be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, right. Let's do this. Let's get into Galaxy of in Flames. Um, the heresy revealed. Um, so, before we go into our characters, Jamie, give us a quick scene setting, just in case some random person's listening to this who's never listened to any of our episodes and doesn't know anything about Horus Heresy. Well, I would say to them is listen to our other episodes yeah. and go read the other books in Heresy. You fucking losers. But if they have... Yeah, get on it. Why are, you, why are you listening to this episode? Fucking nerd. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, basically, we've got... We're following Horace and his legion, and we've... First book, basically, is sort of setting the scene about the end of the Crusades, about wh- how they it's starting to unravel and mm-hmm. that's that's all of that book basically you you've got your character Loken and you, from his perspective you're seeing his legion start to change from where where they originally were the lunar wolves and now they've become the sons of Horus and things are getting a bit darker and things are starting to fall apart mm-hmm. second book I guess you can say is about Horus himself and him how you basically you see him turn away from the emperor his father and decide that he's had enough and he doesn't want to be play second fiddle to him really he doesn't want to be forgotten his journey to the the dark side yeah 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 yeah, it's the empire strikes back of warhammer yeah and so at the beginning of this book you saw the first few chapters help you get caught up on that Mm um as you meet main characters and I think you meet some of the remembrances and they talk about some of the remembrances that have died in the last book, which I think is quite an important part where Horace now has put his plan into action and he's taken out people that are going to get in his way. So, yeah, he's cleaning up house. He's uh, making sure his house is in order, right? <laughs> yeah. That's how I see yeah. He's, you know, doing the pushing people out the window in a castle, kind of like making the castle your own kind of thing. Like, yeah. Getting rid of everyone yeah. he doesn't trust. So he, yeah, so he shot, well, he got someone of his legion to shoot Varvarus and make it look like a, a, well, not an accident, but it made it look like it was part of a firefight when actually it wasn't. Um, so that was the leader, that was the leader of his army. The British, um, that the, the, was, I was about to say the British army, not the British army, yeah. the human auxiliary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I mean that's, that's a sort the of British role, army. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, basically chess. <laughs> Yeah, so um, he he wanted the Space Marines to answer for the uh, atrocities that happened in the second book where the Space Marines started punching humans to get out of the way to save Horus. He wanted the Space Marines to answer for that, so he sort of kept him quiet by killing him, which is a good way to keep people quiet, I guess. Yeah, um, And important part to know is Loken has found that out, so he's 
So he Loken knows that Barbarus was shot by not by the enemy, but by their own. Um, well, how does he work that out? Is because of the bolt bolt shell fragment. It yeah, yeah. Apothecary took it out and says this is a bolter shell, not. So that was that one. Um, Tarkasi, our favourite remembrancer from the first two books, he was killed because he was shouting propaganda about the Space Marines and actually how that, you know, what happens when these defenders of humanity decide to turn around and point their bolters back at you. Yeah, who so, watches yeah. the Watchmen? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he decided to obviously clean him up. Um, Made him look he, a suicide. Yeah, yeah, which everyone was like, why? He didn't really want to kill himself, so why Why did that happen? Yeah. Um, and another important part that didn't happen, though, was um, the lodge with Horace's say, or Sanction. permission, I guess, yeah. wanted um, Loken to answer for... They, they kind of needed a figurehead to answer for these atrocities that happened, and they the said, well, let's just... Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's just give Loken up. You know, he's... He is you know, too straight out of an arrow, too much of a good guy to to continue this plan. So that didn't work, though. Um, Torgadon, his best mate, didn't want to go with it, and I guess the opportunity then didn't come up. So, Well, yeah, I guess because, I wonder, though, because Torgadon... Did Torgadon tell Logan? No, and that's what I found weird. So, like, um, Tarek yeah. renounces being part of the Lodge and tells... Uh, Abaddon and um, Little Horse to go fuck themselves and the yeah. Lodge to go fuck themselves and then the last thing they do is they are like on some deck I think like looking out over something and just banging on about like sorry this is Loken and Torgadon basically just talking about there's a rot in our legion and we need to fix it um, essentially are you with me of course I am kind of thing so yeah. like bros before hoes <laughs> yeah so I think he, I think he talk and tells him that he knows Carcass he was killed or something like that. But I think he doesn't he doesn't mention. Oh yeah, by the way, they wanted you dead as well. Yeah. Or Horace, even Horace wants you dead. Yeah, he never, he never says who do you think? Back. Yeah, doesn't Baden say like uh, Tarek's like um, Horace would never allow this. And he's like, who do you think sanctioned it? Like whose idea yeah. do you think this was? Yeah. So yeah, so that's how we sort of start this book. We sort of it's really like depressing scenes of like. Loken is training on his ho- on his own and like remembrances are there and they're like oh, I'm remembering that he used to train with all his brothers and now the Mournival is no such a thing there's no such thing as the Mournival anymore it's not a thing anymore um, Horace has his council and it's not just you know it's not those four he just has like a throne room now basically yeah. where he holds court the Lupercal's court I think it's called yeah, yeah so. so I don't know if you remember but he used to have the war room and he would be on a platform of everyone, level opinion. If you had an opinion, you put your you put a relic or your helmet or your your sword or something on the table, and that gave you permission to have your moment to speak. Yeah, that's gone now. He has a throne. He's he's a barbarian warlord. Like I think that's such a stark difference in his his humors are unbalanced, and the way he manages is different. Like he's completely changed, man. Yeah, I think um, even there's one bit where he's in that room and his Primarchs, you know, they're going to side with him and Angron's like, oh, what's this? Am I bowing to my king now? Because he's sort of Horace sat on the throne. So, yeah, I guess it's symbolic of how Horace sees himself now. Yeah, no, it's good. I think there's, um, it's worth tapping into the 
the religious bit going on in the back background now. Like I think yes, yeah. the book starts with um, uh, oh, Titus, who's one of the people that's been but, helping um, the saint, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, he's a princeps of the of the Dies Irae. The yeah, titan. yeah, and he's he's doing a sermons. He's literally doing a, a, a like a talking to the masses. But what I really like about this is they're doing it, and while they're doing it, they're obviously trying to the the the, the space marines under, I guess under um, Malaghurst the Twisted. They're trying to yeah. they're trying to crush it and crush the the religion out of the ship as quick as possible. So they're like hunting down for them. Which I think that's a nice little side story. I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit where he finishes and then suddenly he hears bolt around and they all just like, like it. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah. sort of disperse into the ship. I mean, the the ship is massive. Like there, they could easily hide. But yeah, it's yeah, it's good. Yeah, so they all talk about and then Keela from the other book as well. So we remember at the end of the second book, she basically vanquishes or gets rid of a warp demon, a pink horror that turns yeah, up does, yeah. by the power. By the power of the Emperor flows through the power through of her. Grey Skull. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, she she's and then she passes like goes into a coma. So yeah, she's a saint now. She is. Yeah, she's so she's in the Medicaid deck when the book starts, and she's. Um, I think she's on Horus's list of people to kill because she knows <laughs> she knows too many things. Um, yes. Yeah. I think it's what she Horace knows that there's, you know this rumor of this saint is like spreading across his entire fleet, not just his ship. So yeah, it's not too good for him if that starts to you know, creep through his entire army. Yeah, he doesn't. Is... He, he doesn't want humans having any hope. Yeah, and I mean, if you um, he's well, doesn't want to stop the emperor, then suddenly you find out actually maybe the emperor is a god and has saints that yeah. he can have power through. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to do your your cause any favor, is it? So, yeah, yeah, that's that's how it starts. Is Horace has now got his plan and he's he's put it into motion now. So not just cleaning the house, he is organizing and manipulating all the legions into positions. That so when he makes his big strike, his big plan, that is going to like put his flag in the sand of going right. I am uh, a heretic, and this is what we're going to do. He needs to make sure that he is in a position that other legions can't help if they're against him or or in a position that they can help. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, yeah. And he does it really cleverly. So you see it in other books in the Horus Heresy. The the book doesn't give a very good sense of time, like scale of how... He hasn't just done this on like a weekend. Like, it's, <laughs> it's this like six month one... The Horus Heresy is seven years long. But there's a bit... I, I, there is a timeline somewhere online. I might even try and look it up while I'm talking. But he's doing everything from manipulating Mars and other Forge worlds into who and who they should be and who they shouldn't be sending ammunition, weapons, armor, um, tanks, all of that stuff. Making sure that the, the legions he knows have sided with him are getting everything while suffocating the supplies of everyone else without getting caught. Um, and people, yeah, on Mars, so, like people on Mars notice it. Like there's a bit in one of the books where um, uh, a salamander keeps petitioning to speak to the gen the fabricator general on Mars. He's like, "I'm the representative of the salamanders, and we're now six months behind on delivery." 
like we're now actually running out of ammunition. It's all intentional. Yeah. He's he's trying to suffocate everyone that he knows won't side with him. Yes, yeah. So that's yeah. In Mechanicum, the book, you see you see the other side of that. So you see Calber how being he has sided with Horace and he is yeah, as you say, putting all the shiny new stuff towards the legions that are going to help him and all the and yeah and all the the older stuff to the ones that are slowly trickling to the ones that are not. So he's also manipulated, you hear he's manipulated Glimmon, so he's told him to go back to um, to Ultimar to, yeah. to do a big offensive against, is it Orcs, I think? So he says, you need to you know muster your entire army here, your entire fleet. So he sends him back, so he's yeah. like on the other side of the entire yeah, galaxy. They, they muster in Calf, like literally yeah. 90% of the Ultramarine Legion. Which is one of the is the biggest legion by miles. They're they're they're, they're fucking ginormous. Yeah, they're and I think there's a bit place. in this book actually when he's talking to his um, astropath, and he, she's talks about emotions, and she's, I think Horace is gauging whether he think he pretty much knows Gilliman's not going to side with him, but he, she says that his emotions and the messages Gilliman sends are like of staunch, almost. Um, like uh, I don't know, he's so strong, like loyalty to the emperor that she can feel it in the messages that he he's yeah. sending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's all zealot in that how much he is with the emperor. So yeah, he that's how Horace is also gauging his fellow brothers by the amount of emotion that he can get about them. So, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was interesting that she that she can read that from his messages. Because yeah. usually Gulliman used a black blank slate when you look at him, but. Nice. Yeah, yeah, very loyal. So I just found the timeline for on on the old Google. Um, it's a year between Istvan three starting and Istvan five. So like it's a slow build up. It's a slow, slow build up because it's a galactic scale. It takes fucking six months for Garrow to get to Terra. Like it's yeah. the scaling's all That's over the place. crazy because five is in Fulcrum. And you, and the end of th- the end of this book, you say he's going to go to the, you know, set up fortifications on this other planet. After what we will explain, what happens after that? He goes, oh, we're going to set up ready for when the Empress can retaliate. But it's mm. a whole year until that. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I don't yeah. know if it's a year between them starting, but they're in two separate years. So I'm looking at the timeline. You got zero zero four point M thirty one is the Great Crusade and Davin. Then you've got 005.M31, about three quarters of the way into that, so March time. You know, Istvan 3 and the destruction of Prospero. You've also got the Civil War on Mars and the Battle of Cygnus Prime all happening around that year. And then 006.M31, you've got Istvan 5, you've got the invasion of Paramar. I'm not sure what that is actually. You've got, so there's like, the assault on Kalf happens in 007. Which is, and the Battle of Armatura, that's when the Shadow Crusade is happening with the Ultramarines getting fucked by the word, the World Eaters and the Word Bearers. Yeah. So there's big gaps, but I guess it takes a month to send a message halfway across the galaxy. So I do get it. There's like big spaces of time. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Anyway, so um, the part one is quite a scene setting again. Um, it's like putting all the ducks in order and have you realised this book just picks up pace really fucking quickly so yeah like, I think once you get into section 2 it's just yeah like... so like section 1 is pretty much what we just said so we've got Angron, Mortarian, Fulgrim 
uh, and Horus. I think that's it. They're, they're like the main ones. But Fulgrim's not in it much, is he? He he leads it all to Eidolon. Eidolon yeah, is so the representative have, so while have, Fulgrim goes and does Yeah, we have this work. theme where um, you it's jumping around. As we say we talked to the bits where it's Oliton and he's talking to Loken. And then just before we have that meeting, the Primax, it jumps to our, our boy... Um, in the Emperor's Children. Saul Tarvitz. Uh, Saul Tarvitz, yeah. I don't know fucking yeah. the man of this book. He is, in this book, he's a fucking hero. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it jumps to Saul and he's just taken over this sort of outpost um, of what that was attacked by orcs. And this is where I, um, Fulgrim says, right, I'm splitting my legion sort of in two and half of it's going to come with me and we're going to take the rest of this system back from the orcs and the other half are going to Istvan Free to help, and he said, tells them to help Horus. Well, what we know is he's doing, I've split half my legion that are going to follow me and half my legion that are not going to follow me and I'm going to sacrifice them on Istvan <laughs> Free, basically. Yeah. So that's what's happened. Yeah, exactly. He's, um, he's already agreed to do Exactly what Horus wants him to do is gut your force of people you don't trust. Yeah. Which I still find weird. How does he know who to trust and who not to? It's decided by captains, right? So, like, that 100, 200 Space Marines that work for Saul or for Loken kind of just get tarred with a brush. (laughs) It's really unfair. Yeah. One of them's like... But, you know, I quite like chaos. No, no, sorry. No, <laughs> you, you are have to a good guy by association. Um, so they, they're on that, and then Fulgrim um, pisses off to do his own thing. Which we, I think we find in Fulgrim, it's him just going slowly insane with Zeechi goodness is yeah. what's really happening there. Yeah, Saneshi goodness. Ooh, Saneshi. Oh, sorry, yeah, Saneshi goodness. Ooh, yeah, yeah. He's bad, just, uh, bad nerd. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just getting high High on drugs and poo paintings. Yeah, poo so, paintings yeah. and um, statues and rock and roll. What a legend! Yeah. Um, so that's what that's what's happening. Where he's he's yeah, and he sends Eidolon with the other lot to Istvan. And then you have this yeah. So we have that scene where the Primarchs that uh, we know are siding with Horus could turn up. And as I said, there's a bit where um, Loken and Torgadon have to go to this meeting, so they're walking and they're, they're discussing, like, our legion is rotten, this is shit's hitting the fan. And then they meet um, the words uh, World Eater, they meet Khan. Yeah. And they have a discussion with Khan, and there's a little bit in there where he goes, it's sort of, you get from Khan at this point that he's actually sort of fairly reasonable. And he's like, he even, you can, they can tell that he's. Gets a little bit sick of his Primarch. That's why he becomes the most important person for um, Angron. Because he... I don't know if you've read the small backstory of... Basically, when Angron first landed on his ship, he was pinged off of his planet and put on his ship. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. When he yeah, was about bit, yeah. to die. Go, go, go on, go on. And every captain that goes in to meet Angron, Angron kills. And Khan's the first one to survive because he he says something along the lines of, like, we are yours, we are your hounds. Um... And horses like your hands, <laughs> um, but Khan's the only one that seems to be able to cut through his like mentalness. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they meet him, and then he goes, uh, and he he jokes with Loken that like, how Loken's quite honest because he t- he literally says to him like you're just fucking animals, <laughs> and he's yeah. like, hmm, I like honesty, and sort of they come up like in the audiobook they come over as like Russian, which I didn't really 
picture in my head of them sort of yeah, a Russian accent. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, and he goes, oh, I, I enjoy your honesty in, in these times. And he says, oh, I hope to meet you on the on the surface of Istvan 3 if anything's left. Nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. yeah, wink, wink. They do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, um, actually, we should hover on that meeting. That meeting's excellent, where um, you got Horus and everyone talking about what they're going to be doing to the Coral City, and like, yeah. I think that's so good. It's like really, really well done, dramatic scene where basically like Tarek and Loken are told to just stand there and nod, say, be, be like present. yes men, basically. Yeah, just... like you're not fucking welcome anymore. You're tolerated. Um, and Eidolon like kicking off and Angron berating him like you fucking peacock and <laughs> Eidolon acting like he's on a, on the same level as the Primarchs and Horus basically saying you're here by my good graces like I could fucking have you killed fucking shut up like you absolute yeah. villain um, yeah, it's, it's like, I, I respect Fulgrim, so I, and he likes these, therefore I'm not going to kill you, but <laughs> yeah. I don't like your twat. Yeah, and then um, and then Angron like, pisses Horus off, doesn't he, and goes back to his ship, and it ends on like Horus being like, get me a transport to um, Angron's ship, I need to illuminate him. And I was yeah. just like, ooh, it's so yeah. cool. And then, and then um, Motone's there, and he's with... Another boy, another another dude, uh, Gary's there, which he, in Flight of the Einstein, you see it from his his point of view, that whole meeting. So. Yeah, it's really well done. It's interesting why, uh, I can't remember why Matarian chooses Gary. He's I a think, rising does, star. Then they have like a battle against an elder, and like, Gary's like, literally single-handedly defeats them, and he's like, rewards him by taking him on this meeting. I don't it's, know. I it's remember. some weird psychic race. That, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with loads of psychic tree baby things. Uh, if you remember, like they're in that weird domed world. It's not really a world. Yeah. It's like a massive ship, and all the sisters of silence are with them. And there's that yes. really cool scene of Mortarian, like thousands of marines all in a big blob because that's how the Death Guard roll. And it just shows like Mortarian in the middle just firing lantern, his like pistol, and like big beams of light are just shooting out of it, killing all of these monsters. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, I think doesn't he? He takes. Because he, he's unsure about how Gary sides, doesn't he? So yeah. he's, I think he's trying to gauge whether he's going to be with him or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and don't it is in part one where the Istvan extremist, where Gary loses a leg. Um, is that against yeah. the war singer? So that, is, that's part, part one, of part two. But basically, that happens. So we can talk about that. Yeah. 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 The war singer happens before they go to Coral City because that's why. Garrow ends up on the Eisenstein. Yeah, so yeah. so they're part of their plan is they have to take out this. They say it's a, a relay station, like a communications planet, sort of like a, it's like a moon, isn't it? So yeah. he takes the Death Guard and the um, and Eidolon takes some Empress children, and they have to retake this um, comm station. So yeah, and they get there and. They're like, oh, it should be piss easy. And it's like, actually, fuck, there's these... Yeah, the choral singer, they're basically like witches, banshee witches. Yeah, they're war just... singers, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, uh, there, there's, I'm sure there's a bit where like one of them's singing and it picks a space marine up and just crushes his armour really slowly. Yeah, I think like, it just like, really bits of it off and, like, <laughs> yeah. The blood's like pulling through the gaps on him and he's like suffocating. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. So in that bit, I think, um, yeah, Garay's like running up this pyramid 
and like yeah, she literally just blasts his leg off and Tarvitz and Eidolon are closely behind and Tarvitz is like he gets knocked down and Eidolon picks up his sword and then she he basically just shouts at her and because we find out that he's had um, some augmentic changes from uh, Fabius Bile who's uh, changed film. up with Xenos technology and he can basically just scream people to death yeah <laughs> so yeah that's a cool it's a cool scene because yeah you get to see you get to see the Empress children fighting get to see Tarvitz Garrow Eidolon all, it's, yeah it's a cool scene yeah really good uh, and that wraps up with like the last bit before they then move on Istvan 3 because then we go into the Coral City next I believe which is um, yeah 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 so it's like it's, it's a really interesting thing and I remember the first time I read it I was just like why aren't any of you more suspicious when Horus puts yeah. his roster out of all the people going down, it's like, your legion's a bit weird. I know you've got no reason to believe there's heresy, but I would have marched straight up to his door and knocked on it if I was like, why is there like this unit and this unit and this unit? And Well, Tarvitz does that. He's, he's like, so fucking weird. He like, he goes, um, they have that, you know, they have that meal, don't they, before going down. And Lucius is like telling stories, and, and Darvin's like, "This is not quite right. I don't really understand what's happening." So he goes off to meet ancient Rylanor, and he says, "Doesn't oh?" He tells him that oh, I, I want, I want to be like on the ship. He wants to be head of like it's like head of communications. He wants to lead the cu- communications from the ship from Rylanor. Like look, uh, if a dreadnought can look like side eyed at him and goes. I think he gets gets what he's doing, but he goes, okay, that's, that's a position of honour, and and the you know, I, I grant you that, um, I grant you to do that because basically Tarvis wants to know what's going on in the ship. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, you're right. It, it's and he can't lie to Rylanor because there's that thing, is it? You cannot lie to Rylanor; he'll he'll know. Um, so, but he doesn't lie. Do you know what I mean? Like he's uh, he's fair to him. But it's a weird one. It's the fact that Rylanor goes down in his place I found weird. Like, oh yeah, we'll just take this Dreadnought instead. No one in High Command is going to notice that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... And yeah. why did they keep Rylanor? Why did they think he'd be good? He seems like a <laughs> decent Dreadnought. I know, yeah. He's yeah, he's ancient-wise. Yeah, so there's, the, there's that whole bit where Tarbits is starting to clock on, like, why are these people going and not everyone going? Why do you need like, four fucking legions, or three legions, and titans to take this fucking city. It doesn't make any, like, make any sense. So he's, yeah, he's conning on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and we've got to say, you know, the whole bit with uh, Eidolon sh- shouting, there is a scene where they offer Tarvitz that opportunity, don't they, which is interesting. They show him behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah, to, like, horrible vats of, like, Xenos-mutated space marines. Well, yeah, so Fulgrim's dec- defying the Emperor's pure vision of what the space marines should look like, and uh, he's been using Xenos bioengineering to test on marines, and Eidolon was the first successful experiment. So his screeny thing is actually from a Xenos strain, which is like super heretical, like even though yeah. that was before they even fell. That was, you know, that's it's crazy. Like, yeah, really, really bonkers. And they, they offer to uh, and he's like, nope. And he's like, you're under order to never mention this again. Yeah, 
So yeah, it's crazy. I guess he says it's like um, the emperor perfected a human, so we're just continuing his work. It's like okay, yeah, you that's, can, you can that's put logic to fine. Things if you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, as we said, so that happens to Tarvitz, and then he's starting to become because of that. He becomes suspicious of shit going of the hand-picked nature of the whole of the force. He's like, "This is so weird. Why? What's going on?" So this, that's when that's when he when he talks to Rylanor and says he 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 puts the way he puts his ripping his cord, doesn't he? He's like he says it is actually it's a sacrifice he's making because the good thing the, the honorable thing that he wants to do is go down and fight but he's going i'm making the sacrifice to help fight from up here whereas yeah. he wants to do is he wants to investigate the ship and go what the shit's going on yes yeah, yeah it's fucking bothered. i was just having a quick look at the uh <laughs> our instagram page while you're talking about Saul. And that image you put up of the artwork for him that's been used multiple times in different ways and everyone's like, that looks nothing like him. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I never... I didn't think I looked like him. But then... So, to me, it, he's always looked... Because I saw that artwork before I read the books. Before I read yeah. that book, I'd seen that image of him. So I kind of had an idea. But in my head, I always thought of him as Vigo. Is it Vigo? Out of um, Ghostbusters 2? You know, the yeah, painting. Bit, in yeah. my head, it was him. Like, like he was just that guy. I don't know. Yeah, some, sometimes when I don't, when they don't give much description, I just default to like a bald space marine because that's just sort of my default space marine. Yeah, in my head, Garo is bald space marine. Yeah, he. I mean, he is. But he yeah, is, he, is, but he is. like he is, the archetype space marine. Yeah, I think it was in ages when like loads of plastic models. They would literally the only like head version they'd put in some kits would be the bald one. So. Yeah, yeah it's sort of my yeah. default. So that's all I always saw him as. But I guess it makes sense with him having you know. A sweet flow going on because yeah. he is an emperor's children. So yeah, exactly. Sick main bro. Yeah. Um, cool. So now we get into the Coral City. Like I think that's that's all the backdrop, right? You know, you got Gar, you got Loken and Tarek leading it. Um, Lucius is with them. You've got ancient Rhinor going with them. Which I don't. Why doesn't Eidolon ever? I mean, Lucius is the obvious candidate to. Be on their side. It's by which associ- we'll it's association. It's association. Why? Why doesn't he offer him the, you know, Xenos technology? It's well, odd. I don't, I don't know. know why. Icon doesn't like Lucius that much. Does anybody like Lucius? I don't like Lucius. He's a great yeah, character. But I, I guess. I guess he's too much like Idlon. Maybe Idlon doesn't like him because of that reason. Yeah, yeah, true. And he's Lucius isn't a great leader. He's just a great warrior. Like they're totally different. Yeah. Um. Cool, so all of our characters are now speedballing down to the Coral City in their drop pods. And like, the, what I like about this is a, everyone's got their particular job, but they've also, the landings have all been intentionally fucked with. So like all of the Lunar Wolves pods, have, the drop pods have been sent into like this one area, like the Catatombs. But yeah. most of them collide with like huge spires because they didn't, they accidentally didn't pick those up in the fucking photographs of the of the surface. That kind of thing. Like they're fucking the force the whole way through. They want them to be as unorganized as possible for when the ship lands. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So they all get given certain areas, and like the world eaters end up like hitting this chap with a weird chapel, and they just sort of yeah, they're totally fucked up, and they all just get split apart, and the Empress children. Yeah, they're just all scattered and in not yeah, the right place. Like the Death Guard get dropped right in the front of um, a World War One esque trench system. Yeah, I just imagine like D-Day landings. Just go and the take Death the trench. Guard. It's like, oh god! Yeah. So they have to slog it. The 
Emperor's Children take the palace, I think. That's where they're sent, I think. Yeah, yeah. The Lunar Wars get sent to the catatombs and they all get completely lost. Like, even Loken and Tarbits can't find each other. Sorry, um, Loken and uh, Torgadon. Torgadon. Uh, yeah, and as you said, the, the, the World Eaters just get sent on the populace, which is so brutal. Like, they're literally just to the point where he's like, we're killing them with our bare hands. Like, they're just <laughs> giving up using their weapons. They're just clubbing them to death. Yeah, so, so when they get down there, I think, yeah, and they get down there and they're like, this place is not like, it's not just a rebellion, it's a full-on, like, religious zealot takeover. It's gone, like, absolutely balls to the wall nuts. There is, the whole populace is, like, off their tits on this witch singing that yeah. happens by these by these um, war singers. And, like, yeah, they're just... So, the, yeah, as you say, with the world eaters, they just say, get out of their drop pods, and they look around, and there's this, like, whole population of, like, fucking pitchforks and stuff, and they're, like, surrounding them, and the world eaters like, right, well, dig in. <laughs> and they just boys. have to take take down a whole city's worth of people, basically. With their Carnage. Bed, which is, they love doing, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. But I think even them are, like, you know, imagine taking on the city of London. <laughs> there's probably, like, there's probably a few thousand of them, but, God, yeah. Yeah, grim. Um... So that happens in the background. You've got Euphrates Keeler being rescued. Oh yeah, so yeah, back we'll get on to them. back on the ventral spirits. So Titus and Jonah from the um, Titan before that got deployed. They'd been helping out with um, getting getting Keeler out of that hospital. And it's a really cool scene because she's in she's in a um, coma, isn't she? And uh, Cinderman like blags his way out of solitary confinement in his room. Um, to get those guys to help her, and they rush her off into hiding, don't they? But Magard tries to. Magard was sent to kill her in her sleep. Yeah, and they so all Magard at the same time. The bodyguard of um, what's her name? Bitch lady. Whatever remember. her name was, the one he called bitch. That one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Magard's now like gene enhanced fucking wannabe space marine best bud with. With yeah, Malikhurst. yeah. So yeah, he's become basically personal guard of Malikhurst, and he, as you say, yeah, he's like Gina. I guess it, he's not becoming a. He's is no, he like what happened him up big time. to some of the other characters? Who yeah. are too old to become a space marine, so they um just become really beefy instead. Yeah, yeah, and they give you loads of stuff that does enhance you more than another human, like, but just yeah. not. You, they don't get the black carapace, so they can't be um you know plugged into armor properly. Yeah. But they wear a version of our uh, armor. Who's the guy in the? The first time I ever heard about this, because I didn't really know about it, was the guy in, from the Dark Angels. Um, yeah, there's quite a few of the Dark Angels. Um, you've uh, uh, the Lion's father, Luther, or his adopted father. Yeah, Luther. What's his name? Luther. Yeah, he's he's the same, and he's really pissed off that he can't become a space marine, isn't he? He's like, I was the leader of this entire fucking planet, and just because I'm too old, I can't become a space marine, and therefore, I'm like setting that, and now I'm like below. Like fucking recruits because they can become space marines. Yeah, that's yeah. the first time I ever heard. Like, oh, so yeah, people can become. There is another really important one. Um, uh, the guy that raises Lorgar. Um, oh, oh yeah. I can't remember his name. Someone will be shouting out he's, at us. Um, he's, he, a he's the same. He he's he's an old man when the Emperor finds Lorgar, but they get him a version of power armor. And if you look at the model of him on Forge World. 
it's really done well because the armor doesn't is power armor, but it's not. If you look at it, you can see it's like almost like a steampunk suit. Yeah, oh, Cor Corferon. that's it. If you look at Corferon's model, it's got like gears and pulleys on it and stuff. Like it's definitely not power armor. Very cool. Um, okay, so they rescue her. Magard uh, Mag is trying to intercept them, isn't he? But um, he she freezes time, basically. Yeah, he shoots at them and he freezes time, so the bullets are like suspended in air. Yeah, it's like Matrix. And they escape, and Magard is very pissed off that... I don't know why they didn't walk up to him and, like, stab him in the heart while he was frozen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was tempted to, like, turn the bullet around. smashed him with a chair or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just push him yeah. out of the airlock. Yeah. Um, Put his pants down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the, uh, the Coral City, it's all kicking off. There's fighting everywhere. And it, it's not very long before what we think is um, betrayal becomes quite apparent because Tarvitz is on his ship um, and he's watching, he's trying to work out why why the ship is moving into a lower atmosphere when they only do that if they're going to be doing bombing and he's like, why would we bomb a city we're trying to take over? So yeah, he's like, why is this? Because there's going to be a second wave of like drop pods and stuff, and then we come in, and he's like, "Yeah, this is not what's happening." Yeah, so he goes and investigates yeah. the gun deck, and finds it be the crew are loading virus bombs into the guns. I always feel sorry for the crew; they don't have a clue. This to them, this isn't traitorous work. Do you know what I mean? It's very unlikely. <laughs> they don't, yeah. They're just—they have no idea what's going on. They're yeah. just told they do what they're told to do. Yeah, exactly. Literally, they're literally they agnostic know. to. The, either side really like at the end of the day they're just people doing a job it's a bit like how Aaron Dembski Bowden treats them in the um, Night Lords books they're just a lot of people are just people like they're just there they just want a, a warm meal and somewhere to sleep um, yeah they'll do what they'll die yeah um, so Tarvitz realises exactly what's going on he realises that they're about to bomb the city and obviously all the ships around him are moving, so he realises this has got to come from the very top. So he goes out of his way to try and warn um, the people on the planet, and he can't get in contact with them using um, the comms. So he steals a Thunderhawk and just starts flying. When the rest of the fleet realises, or not the rest, a number of the fleet around him are like, who the fuck is that unauthorised Thunderhawk? Shoot him down. And it's, and it's a beautiful scene where he's like trying to escape and one ship tries to intercept him. And lo and behold, on that ship is his best friend, Garrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like really lucky. Like, it's not just someone he knows, it's like his best mate as well. So. Yeah. And Which I is good because then Garrow, like, because when someone, you know, at this point, he's, he's Tarvis telling us, and Garrow's obviously, you know, really staunch. He's like, I can't believe it, I can't believe this would be happening. But he's like, because you're saying it, I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, and like, yeah. you're pushing me into a space I don't like. And he he bangs on about it, like, you know, they saved each other's lives many times. They've got that cool groove cutting each other's van braces. Like, you know, the one yeah. handshake where you shake wrist to wrist. They both yeah, yeah. have the thumb marking for each other on their arms. So when they shake, it lines up, which I think is really, really lovely. Um and he, he's like, please, please, get these fucking strike cruisers off of me. Like, these attack ships, the little, like, nippy Spitfires are, like, chasing him, trying to gun him down. And he's like, please, help me. You've got to trust me. Um, 
and Garrow does it. Garrow shoots down a bunch of ships. Yeah, and the um, explosion hides yeah, uh, targets getting yeah, away. He's like, oh, I shot down the Thunderhawk, but uh, unfortunately the other ships blew up as well. And Garrow yeah. then, th- that's kind of like the last time we see Garrow, because he makes the decision to get the fuck out of there. If he's going to believe what his boys just told him, he's got to go. Um, yeah, so he, which we find out in, uh, yeah, it's really cool, this this book branches off to so many other books, because you see that the whole other side of that story in Flight of an Eisenstein, where you see Garrow having to make that decision at that point, and then what happens after he's had to make that decision. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and he knows very quickly he's made the right choice. In yeah. his friend, um, like literally immediately, people are after Garrow on his ship, which is quite funny. Um, so that's the end of Garrow's story. He vanishes. Tarvitz makes it down to the planet, and what I like is like they don't fanny about with this bit of the story. It just cuts to Tarvitz on that landing platform, and it, you don't even see him telling his brothers. It's them then organizing themselves after. Like, yeah, I think he meets. Lucius at this point has been like wrecking face in the palace, and he's he's killed the rebellious leader at this point. I think as he and yes. Lucius is like on a fucking yeah, yeah. high. He's like, I've killed him. I'm the fucking king. And then Tarvitz comes down and goes, None Yeah, this, this is all a fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all a fucking shit show, and we need to organise. So Lucius is like, oh, fuck's sake, all right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like really pissed off that he thinks he's like won the day, and he's like, oh crap, no, it's not. Yeah, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. good because it's really quick and it's just and yeah. and he basically it's not just oh we have to find and tell them he's literally said spread the word and it it does get to the other people on top of the, on the planet. So. Yeah, so they a lot of them die in the resulting thing that's about to happen. But without Tarvitz, everyone would have died. Like he saved so many lives um, by basically knowing he's going to die by going onto that planet. What chance do they have to survive the next thing? But yeah. Um, so I think most of them end up going into all the underground bunkers and like into the catatombs and stuff to get as deep underground and protected as possible. But virus bombs are emperor-sanctioned only weapons. Even like a Primark can't use them without permission. And if they do, yeah. it's on the most extreme, like extreme cases. Um, and yeah, they they get on the planet and virus bombs just start fucking landing. Um, there's a cool bit with the um, the Titan, isn't there? And they're like, they're in the trenches and they're fighting above the Death Guard and they're like blasting away. And then suddenly the Princeps guy, um, he like gets a signal and he stops and he just turns around to the other two operators and is like, close all vents, shut everything down. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, what, what, what's going on? He's like, I don't care if we overheat or anything. Fuck, shut every vent. Yeah, so uh, his get name's in. Turnit. <laughs> Uh, the princeps turn yeah. he's like super loyal to Horus as you would be if you were like the lead princeps of the battle group for Horus of course you're going to be loyal yeah. to Horus um, but I've said it before that I really like the story in the Deus Array because you've got Jonah and Titus these two career driven men both that want more but very different things you've got one that's about faith and protecting yes. um, the saint, and you've got the other one that like understands it and has seen real evidence of. She stopped time in front of him. Yeah, he wants to. Be- he wants to believe. Like he really wants to have the same faith as Titus has, but he wants the Deus Array more. 
he wants well, to be well we find that big, out don't we because yeah. he's always on the edge and like what's going what's he going to do and then yeah, yeah. Um, so they power down and you're like what the fuck is going on and they seal it all immaculately and then um, the virus bombing happens and the entire planet it's hard to comprehend the entire planet is blanketed in a virus so powerful it it reduces any matter into like a slurry like yeah. the skin slow what's the word it sloughs like sloughs off the bone but it's, there's yeah. some really good little short and sharp scenes of like the word bear the world eaters watching like thousands of humans just disintegrate in front of them into a mess and like the the poor death guard that like just make it in to find that they'd actually brought the virus in with them. Yeah, one of them's got the virus and then yeah, just eats everyone else. It yeah, kills everyone. And then like um, there's a there's a dreadnought I think that's like talking. It might be in Fulgrim actually, but anyway, it's worth talking about. Like a dreadnought that realizes it's got a crack in its sarcophagus. I think it's in yeah. Fulgrim. So it knows that its internal bits are gonna die. So it's just standing there like watching the sunset. And um. Yeah, a couple of other marines. Oh, that yeah, like, got, oh, the one they're watching the Solnit is Ryanor, and he's safe. He's just like watching it all happen above, like on like the top of a ruined building. Yeah, and he's like, like he's just like, oh, I knew this was gonna happen. Sort of, it's like, fuck. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. insane. It's so insane. Um, uh, there is one. So when the virus bombing starts. In conjunction with that all kicking off, and we don't see Loken or Tarek, uh, or sorry, Loken or Torgadon in this. This is all through Tarvitz and and um, the the Titan crew. Um, yeah, so the Tarvitz is like he meets some world eaters and he warns them, and it's him and a bunch of world eaters like running to a bunker. Yeah, yeah it's fucking. And he Tarvitz says he he can't tell them. He tells them it's the planet's popula- population have done it. Because he knows if he tells a group of world eaters and he's stuck in a confined space with them, they would probably just tear him apart. And they work it out themselves, don't they? They're like, this wasn't the... Yeah, eventually they work it out for themselves. But I love that bit where he's just like, oh, it's the city, they're doing it to themselves to to deny us. Because he's like, if I tell them the truth, he'll probably just rip my head off in like a second, not thinking. Yeah. Yeah. There's a really um, interesting story going alongside this that we've kind of not touched on yet, which is where... um, Horus gathers all the remembrances across the ship and all the other ships do the same and they get them to watch this one screen of the city being assaulted and he positions it as this like glorious day for the Imperium look at our marine look at the men that die for you and you know blah 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 and then they watch the virus bombs hit the planet and realise what's happening and they, the, the remembrances suddenly realise in this massive room that they're all in one place and the room's completely full of space marines and he's yeah. just like kill them all and they just fucking unload on everyone in that room but the the it, alongside that there's um cinderman and um the saint are in that room and they she's like we need to go and she just walks straight at iacton cruise who's like guarding a door yeah so she she actually tells them like cinnamon knows this is a trap but she tells them you have to go to see it because she knows I don't know, she needs, I guess she needs, you know, with her wisdom, that she's Emperor's wisdom, I guess she needs Cinderman to see the atrocities happen so he can be a witness. And then knowing that Loken has already spoken to Acton Cruz to tell him, yeah. you need to you need to protect these two. 
So she, because she's got this, you know, power, this vision of what's going to happen in the future, etc. She knows that she has to go to the meeting, but knows that they've got a way out because, as you say, they go to acting crews and say, and he just sort of instinctively, he knows that Logan's asked him to protect them. So he's like, okay, yeah. and he he looks around the room, doesn't he? And he's like, oh shit, I know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. Oh, Mercedes Allerton's there as well. I always forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah, so he needs. That's why, yeah, she needs Ollerton and Cinderman to see, to witness what happens on the screens, and then, but she knows that they have a way out because yeah. of action crews. Yeah, and um, so I lied when I said it's the last we see a Garrow. It's not really. We don't see him, but um, very quickly, Cruz Acton helps them escape by like leading them through the ship to get to a a, 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 a Thunderhawk or whatever. But en route, Magard has been following because he's obviously still trying to get um, the Saint. And you realise how strong he is that he fucking puts up a fight against a Space Marine and nearly wins. Yeah, I know. I was a bit disappointed at this because I really want Acta Cruz to really kick his ass. But, but he, everyone, he fucking everyone has a, He really yeah, does yeah. like him. Everyone really has a go at Acton Cruz. Everyone's like, oh, he's shit, he's old, he's... A... I really wanted this to be the scene where he, like, just fucking owns him. But it would have been... I mean... It, it could have been so, so good if they did the Indiana Jones-esque thing from... Um, uh, Raiders. Is that what he's... Yeah, you know, when the guy's got the sword and he's like... Yeah. And Indiana Jones just goes... Bang and just finishes him in one. If they'd just done yeah. that in this scene with like Magard being all like, yeah, and Cruz just pulling out a bolt pistol and blowing his head off, yeah, that would be like hilarious. Like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, they proper have a fucking rumble in the jungle, and um, he only really wins because I, um, Cinderman picks up the pistol and shoots him in the side, which makes him yeah. like flinch, and then Cruz just shoves his fucking blade up his jaw. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a scene I think we could have written better. So, yeah. I could have, I could have. I wanted to see, yeah, just he comes around the corner looking like he's going to murder him all, and you're like, oh my god, and then Cruz just bolt pistols him in one. That would have been so sick. Um, and then yeah, they get on a thunderhawk and they flee, and they're found by Garrow, who lets, yeah, doesn't lets... doesn't Horace say something about. He asks who it is, and doesn't he have a like? Doesn't he have a little bit of a smirk and says something about like we should really tighten up our Thunderhawk security protocols? Yeah, like, like, stolen. another stolen Thunderhawk in like, yeah. the space of half an hour. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, very very funny. Uh, and then yeah. so that is the end of Garrow's story. He's um he whisks them off. Don't know why. I think it's it doesn't um you Keeler lead them to the Eisenstein. Eisenstein. Yeah, she she knows she knows Garrow's with her vision knows that Garrow is the one person in that entire fleet that knows the truth and will help them. So. Yeah, yeah. Which you find out in later Garrow's stories, those two have quite a a special connection bond. Yeah, they're very close. That's, their, their story is linked. That, that's that's what we get so far. I think that those two have a, a shared destiny. I'm actually reading. Which is not, I'm reading the Garrow um, book at the moment. Yeah, which we don't know the end to yet. It's, no one really knows. I don't think anyone knows what really happens to Garrow. Do we know what happens to Keeler? No, not, no, they might not tell us. I mean, I know what happens to Cinderman, but I don't know how what happens to the rest. Yeah, yeah. So I think there is there is a Garrow Keeler story that is that will I think does play to the end of the Horace Heresy, and I hope they do it well because that, that'd be he's cool. He's a great character, a 
really great character. Um, cool. So now we get into the nitty gritty, the fucking most cinematic, awesome, awesome bit of all three books. Like, is every when I was reading them before the Horus Heresy models came out, all I could see in my head was this battle. I wanted to see this on the table. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This is yeah, the cool. first Space Marine war. Like, Marine on Marine. It happens for the next 10,000 years, but this is the first ever one. It's fucking it's awesome. Hardcore, hardcore Marine on Marine action. Yeah, my favourite. My favourite. Hardcore <laughs> Marine on Marine action. Um, so uh, we've got, the, after the virus, there's a whole firestorm as well. Oh, so. yeah, so all the gases that go into the planet from all the broken down... Um, yeah, it's literally like flicking a match into the fucking atmosphere and it just explodes. Yeah, yeah. And he even says something along those lines, doesn't he? He's like, now to strike the uh, fire that will cleanse the planet, or blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he, they fucking fire burn, so it goes from being this like swampy, swampy mess to then burning all life and everything off the planet. So it literally becomes, in my head, it's still sitting now, it's the, um, the future scenes in Terminator. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's carpets yeah. of bone and skull and buildings that are just crumbled and it's depressingly dark 24-7. And then the Space Marines that survive the fire... You know, some Space Marines made the mistake of coming out after the virus had died down because it eats itself. They know that. Every Space Marine knows that it only lasts so long. But some idiots, I think it says that they forgot that there's a fucking firestorm afterwards. So they get caught in that, so they survive one thing and then get annihilated by another. But um, eventually it's all over and... Who is it who spots that there's still a fuck ton of people down there? Is it the World Eaters? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the World Eaters because what happens after that is fucking Angron knows that he's his some of his dudes are still alive and he is pissed and he decides, right, I'm going to do a land assault. And Horus is like, just got his head in his hands, like, the fucking idiot. I, I could literally just bomb this planet, end it now, and get on with the next important stage of my plan to get this in motion. But Angron is like, fuck, no. It's like a personal insult to him that some of these guys are still alive. So, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, it's interesting how Horus plays politics here. So, Angron forces his hand. He can't be seen to not support his generals, Angron being a general for Horus. So he spins it on its head, doesn't he? Where he goes, right, fine. I'm going to use this to bloody my men. Everyone down there is going to be disorientated. They're not going to understand what's going on. Let's go make them murderers. Like, let's go and really, really make them understand what they're committed to. Um, and they get down yeah, there, don't I they? Yeah, I think he's saving face as well. Isn't he? he knows that if Angron's gone for a frontal assault, he cannot be seen to be like holding back he's got to send in the sons of Horus because it's if he doesn't he just looks like a, a bit of a coward but that's the so. thing you find out later that he doesn't really commit the sons of Horus that much not until no, no. They, not until the very end but before we get to that they all start all, all four legions present start landing on the planet around the precentor's palace so all of our main characters on the good guy side are there um and it's a fucking, you know, in my head, it is a colossal building, absolutely massive. And there's a couple of, I think there must be thousands of Space Marines, because by the end, there's about 100 left, is that right? Or 1,000 left? Yeah, it really... I think it's 1,000 left at the quite end. Quick, yeah. yeah, but, so it must be thousands. And um, there's a really good line where 
Tarek and um, Loken see the Sons of Horus land and they're fucking outraged. They've just, you know, they realise how how much betrayal is about has gone under that it's way worse than they realised. Um, and they, they, who is it they see? Is it Luke, Luke Cedredi or whatever his name is? They see someone. Yes, uh, the guy's head of the um, the lodge. Is that it guy, yes. Tarkost? Is it someone like that? But he sees the yeah. banners and he sees his brothers and he's just like, Torgadon is fucking raging, like can see red. But with Tarbits, they're like, no, 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 no. Let's give them a war. Let's let's slow them down. Whatever they're doing, the terror is going to be the final objective. Of course it is. Let's and he says like, my friend Garrow has definitely escaped. He will have escaped. Let's give him time to get the message back and give the Imperium the time to stop this madness. Um, yeah, and it, and he's even like if if not, let's just fucking make Horace remember this day. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> he's not going to get away with this. I'm going to make bloody his nose. Yeah, and they really, really do. And um, it's brilliant to see that they turn this palace from a palace into a fortress. Like, yeah. So the part three of this book suddenly you jump ahead in time, don't you? Because it's like it jumps ahead and you see the palace is like a fucking like barricade, everything, and it's. It's. It sounds like the fighting has been going on for quite a while at this point. Yeah, I might actually Google it because I swear it's like a six-month-long fight. Yeah, um, I, yeah. So I think part three jumps ahead and like our boy um, Tarvitz is. He's basically like the commander of this resistance. He's he's owning it. He's yeah. So like he's, it's it's a lovely little thread in the narrative throughout all three books of Saul not being good enough, being a line officer, never being considered for promotion always seen as you'll only ever be an assistant manager like you're never going to yeah. be a football manager middle management yeah yeah um uh, but given the opportunity just unbelievably good at what he does like he's leading thousands and thousands of marines against three primarchs and four forces like and he's doing it he's winning at some points he's actually winning yeah. In the sense that their objective is to slow them down, they fucking slow him down, like immensely. Yeah, he literally repels anger on like three or four times, not personally, but as a as a his tactics and yeah, yeah, it's, crazy. it's pretty fucking crazy. But you got to picture it. It's this like battered fortress with just marines everywhere, and he's just constantly outwitting them. Like it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, he like. He knows, like, every time the world eaters start chanting, like, okay, they're going to attack, but then they're going to withdraw, and they're going to attack from this side. So he just literally knows their tactics, and Angron, being so blunt instrument, he never, like, changes it. Yeah. So he's yeah. just like, okay, I know what's going to happen now. So. Yeah. Um, so they they fight, and I'm trying to find out online how long it was. I'm sure it lasted a very long time. Um, I'm sure it was like six months, but maybe listeners can correct me. I'm certain it was like five or six months, and it jumps forward quite a lot to that point. Um, uh, so, when does it start to change? When's the tipping balance? I think it's when um, there's a, 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 there's an assault on the palace, um, and there's a chaplain called Charmosian from the Emperor's Children. Yeah, yeah. And he's on top of a so, man raider, like swinging his maul, like, you know, 
driving the Emperor's children forward and the Emperor's children and the Sons of Horus on the good guy's side are repelling them and pushing them back and Lucius like jumps up onto the top of this Lamb Raider to fight his old friend and kills him really fucking quickly like just whips, <laughs> just his, whips his arms his off, off and cuts his head off like without even thinking about it but there's a there's an angle to it so they repel that assault and they do it really efficiently and once again Tarvitz is making his old force look silly and he's fucking over Eidolon and loving every minute of it Yeah. the reason Lucius did that was because he wanted the higher level uh, comms bead I guess like it's got a microphone in it so he knows he'll be able to communicate with um, Eidolon and, and other members of the enemy force so this is get, I, I, I thought it was just coincidence that he did that and then later on when he's getting because he's like Logan always like congratulating Tarvitz and, and Torgana tar- like oh you're doing really good and then he's like he just sees the helmet and it's like ah oh, okay or do you I, think he no, do you I think, think he did that on purpose yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was raging with jealousy because Tarvitz gets all the plaudits Lucius yeah. is just such a petulant child that he knows he can have more glory by getting back into the legion and he knows he's only there by association like he's, he can clearly he clearly doesn't care about the emperor and the imperium he just cares about his own glory um so yeah he reaches out to Eidolon and basically <laughs> makes a deal with the devil yeah he like talks to him and Eidolon's like what do you want yes you're being like just sort of like really pissed off that he thinks he's just gonna be like um taunting him yeah and he does for a little bit and then he's like but i've got a deal for you yeah he basically says i can give you the palace and make you look brilliant in front of three primarchs yeah. which essentially he does to a degree um so... but even then even then Soltar is still sort of semi outwits him yeah, yeah it's brilliant so um that's going on in the background and Tarvitz gets word from scouts that um, uh, a ship has landed and Abaddon and Horus Aximand, little Horus, were on it. And they've been sent by Horus to confront Loken and Torgaddon and essentially bring him out of hiding, right? He knows yeah, he, they won't Horus be able, knows that... They won't be able to resist meeting him. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so they go straight after him. And when they're trying to do that, Loken is attacked by... Khan and a bunch of world eaters. It's like the the last big assault. They know it's the big assault, and Tarvit says to Loken and Sogadan, "You guys go. You've got. You know, we're all gonna die. Go and go and hurt the go and hurt Horus as best you can." Go well, I think actually it does. I think um, Tarvit wants him to stay, but Loken tells him like we like. There's no point me even trying to help you because if we don't kill Abaddon and um, Horus, little Horus. There's just no point anyway. Like we, this is what we have to do. Yeah, yeah. So Tarvis is like, okay, I understand. I understand that. So yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. and um, Loken gets attacked by Khan, which is really <laughs> yeah. it's a really funny scene. So they see each other like they promised they would, but Khan's like totally enraged. And isn't Loken trying to talk to him? He's like, Khan, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, and, like, um, I think at one point he's like beating his head. It's like, Khan, listen to me. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he knows he can't beat Khan, but being the clever, resourceful man that Loken is. He see it's a Sons of Horus tank comes over the horizon, and he throws him at the front of it, and it impales him on one of the dozer blades. Yeah, and he like ducks underneath the tank. Yeah, which is brilliant because I think it's the beginning of the book Betrayer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Picks up um, at the point of after the battle, the final battle where the palace is gone and where they're looking for all of their survivors and killing the surviving enemies. Um, the the 
uh, apothecary for the uh, world eaters finds Khan. He's oh, like, right. stuck to the front of it and he's twitching, but he's <laughs> he's enraged. He's in pure blood rage mode. So he's sitting yeah. there, unable to move, twitching, just going fucking. That's <laughs> really really good. And they're like, we found Khan, and every apothecary is like, we're on our way. Like it's a super serious. They all like wake up and realize, oh my god, it's Khan. We found Khan. Yeah, yeah. They realise about him, they can't lead their legion, which is, I think, is really interesting. Um, so uh, that Loken and Tar- uh, Loken and Torgadon go to get Ezekiel and Axeman, who's landed in a different building quite far away, like really far away. They have to travel across the city to get there. But as that's happening, Lucius has gone missing, and he's gone to where all of the people are being held, um, the the walking wounded, essentially, right? Um, yeah, there's like a there's like a, a wing of the building where the wounded are, and uh, Lucius been he um, he tells um, Tarvitz tells Lucius that you got to hold this area, thinking that if Lucius you know Lucius is a great fighter, he'll be able to hold this, and we should be good on this front. <laughs> and then suddenly, yeah, you see that point from the apothecary, and he's like trying to um uh trying to like trying to save someone he's like trying to grab and he tries to grab a needle and then he just looks up and it's he's his idol on i think idol has a stupid quip and just smashes him with his hammer yeah and then suddenly the whole wing gets overrun by emperor's children that have broken in and yeah obviously the a fortress is only as good as its um weakest wall and they've just crumbled so they get really fucking hurt now like tarvit's got uh, frontal assault and one inside um, and he goes off to fight find out what happened and he finds Lucius like pissing around oh yeah he um yeah he's Tarvis like oh he's really annoyed but then he says Eidolon being the fucking arrogant arsehole that he is he's actually overplayed it like they've rushed in yeah and yeah. Tarvis like well okay I'm gonna he knows that if he sneaks round and, and he gets like a group to follow him later on like he, he scouts it out and then he He's like, well, we can get behind Eidolon and then yeah. actually encircle him. So Yeah, so they he goes around trying to work out what's going on quickly, finds Lucius pissing around, and Lucius is like cutting his face and he's giving yeah. himself a new scar and he's like, Why have you given him yourself that? It's because he's just killed a character that you meet in Fulgrim. Um and then he Lucius, uh Harvitz puts two and two together. He realizes that Lucius has betrayed him and Lucius doesn't give a shit about him anymore and they fight and Tarvitz knows he's out skilled massively yeah right? he just they're interesting that he neither of them I don't know just forget that um, Emperor's Children didn't really have um, chainsaws do they? they always stick to like power swords charnel sabers I think they're called yeah. in the game yeah they're like they're like slightly deadlier power swords but they're like rapiers so like in the game they're weaker but they um they caused rend in the old rules so they were like quite useful um and Tarvis does that cool thing where he drops his gun and holds a knife in one hand and a sword in the other because he's like I need as many blades as I can get um, yeah like snake from was it say has the pistol and the dagger in one hand yeah, yeah but he knows he knows his favored unit is en route to meet him so he knows he's just got to buy time fighting Lucius if he wants to win. So he like fights and he does the whole Loken trick. Yeah, Tarvitz he, he almost has like Lucius like arrogantly not fighting his best to try and kill him because he's like just playing with him. Yeah, and, and he I think knows there's that one Lucius... bit where he's pretty much got Tarvitz on at the edge of his blade, and then 
doesn't he like he doesn't I can't remember what he does, but he like punches him or Yeah, Lucius remembers him or yeah, something. Lucius remembers how Loken beat him. Which is Yeah don't fight the way Lucius wants you to fight, which is with honourable duel. So he just drops his weapons and just pummels the shit out of him and then bear hugs him to like get him yeah. on the ground. And he his location beaker beeper is like he knows the whatever squad it is are literally outside. So he throws Lucius to one side and just says, shoot him. And they all yeah, fucking man, unload like, on ducks. him. Yeah, they yeah. all unload on him, but somehow he gets out. He like dives through a hole in the wall or something. And that's it. That's the last you see of Lucius. And he obviously goes and joins back up with the the traitors, which is a shame. It's a shame. But um, Lucius Do you see when he has the books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's in quite a few. He's, um, his big one is... Um, for you listeners and for you, Jamie, go read Angels Exterminatus by um, Graham McGill. Right. He's one of the main characters in that. Um, and by that point, he's like mental, like absolutely mental. <laughs> um, so, uh, Tarvis, like prank. you mentioned, Tarvis Angel. is like, right, guys, if we move now, we can really hurt Eidolon. He's been really undisciplined. Like, yeah. he's, not, he's gone full hog. He's overstretched his lines. We can really punish him. And they do. They make them retreat. So they thought they were just about to lose the palace and they win it back. Um, so Eidolon gets egg on his face, essentially, which is great. Um, and then the last big scene is Loken and Torgaddon, right? Yeah, well, yeah. It's come, yeah, so at this point you are, you realise that this is just drawing now to an end somehow. No one's really getting out of this. <laughs> none of your, your favourite heroes are going to come from this unscathed. No. So you come up to this big, yeah, big scene. They, um, they see the ship, the landed craft on the roof, and they go in and they just see Abaddon and Little Horace standing on like this. I think it's, it used to be like where people would do public speaking. I think it's yeah. sort of that. Yeah, yeah. And they're standing on like on the pedestal, just waiting for them. So yeah, it says cool. it, yeah, it's a parliament building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they get into a fight. You know, there's there's a bit of like name calling and why are you doing this and oh shut up you don't understand what the galaxy is really about blah 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 and they start fighting and it's even isn't it and then you know Loken starts getting a bit of an upper hand on Abaddon yeah he buries like he buries you know he realises he's fast in Terminator armor and brutally strong and he you know he gets fucking knocked about loads but then he tries to bet he like buries him under like loads of rubble and then he turns around to watch blow a pillar out or something yeah, 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 exactly. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, 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 no. It's the Deus Array. The Deus Array kicks the fucking roof of the building. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it, 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 it's, it's the final countdown. It's moving in on the palace and it just trashes that building. And um, that's what falls on top of uh, Baden. It, it buries him. And Loken like, leaps on him with his sword and he's like trying to drive it into his chest. Yeah, he's so close. It like he punches some of it, doesn't he? But yeah. Get all... And as as he's getting there, as he's getting to it, um, Aximand, like Loken looks over, and I think Aximand has got Torgaddon on like one knee. He's on his knees with no hand or no hands. Yeah. And then he just lops Torgaddon's head off, and it's just like that. That's when you go, oh god, it's real. This is all real. Yeah. Like best friends, like... and he just cut his fucking head off. Yeah, um, you expect yeah, you always expect Torgaddon or someone just to be like, Oh, they will win. It's yeah. like, Oh, no, he's dead. <laughs> okay. And then yeah. um 
Abaddon then like launches Loken backwards and then the whole building collapses. Yeah, yeah. So you think Abaddon's just about to like pummel Loken into dust and then like he falls through the, the yeah, the floor and the building just collapse. And yeah. And then all you see is Abaddon's like and a Horace Axman will be like, they must he must be dead. Like nothing could survive that. Yeah, yeah. Well And he does well <laughs> spoilers, he does. Um, yeah. So, and there's a, there's a whole just going to the side through the whole because that's this story's in Garrow where he finds Loken. You no know, spoilers, but he finds Loken, and um, in that scene in Garrow, his Torgad he's like gone mental, and he's like Torgadon's body's still there, and he's got Torgad. He puts like the head in his hands, and he's like t- always talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very weird. So yeah. What is it? He's, I thought it was quite like, sweet. Loken's like because Loken's lost his mind because he's been trapped for so long. He's um he's become like um Cerebus. Cerebus, the 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 hound guard of the gate. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that's 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 another day. Um. So. Uh, the one interesting thing before we move on about that fight is um, Abaddon realizes that, Ho- little Horus didn't enjoy that he's not as bought in as he thinks he needs to be do you know what i mean yeah yeah so we got that in the, yeah we got a feeling of that in the second book where he voted he had to vote to save horace at that temple even though he didn't really want to do that but he knew that he sort of horace hanksman had to sort of had to do it and i think about had an inkling then and then when yeah he had no pleasure in killing Torgadon. so yeah he definitely knows that this is not his heart is not in this but he knows Horace Hexman knows like, it's got kind of heart versus head isn't it yeah his head tells him he has to follow Horace but his heart is sort of now not not in it yeah it's 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 no Horace is basically uh, sorry Abaddon looks at him and it's basically like I need to watch you you're not you're not safe like, there's gonna be risk with you but funny yeah. enough he comes he's the main character in um uh some of the later books I think it's the vengeful spirit. He's one of the main characters, Little Horus, and he's a he's a changed man. He's very much in it, um, but in a dead emotionless way, not in a not in a fervorless I believe in Horus way. Do you know what I mean? That difference of yeah, he's, yeah. he's accepted his fate now, and he just does his job, but um, he's I don't think he enjoys it in any way. Um, which is quite interesting. Uh, so then that Abad- Abaddon and Little Horus leave, and it's the end of the palace, really. The traitors have done their final push on it. They've blown everything away. There's about a thousand Space Marines left, but they they leave. Basically, Horus has decided enough is enough, and he just bombs the rest of the city into oblivion. Uh, yeah, he, he gets. He's like, he checks his. Um... Are they all back on board? And he's like, yeah, fine. And he just tells them, like, fine, we're just going to have to blow the shit out of this palace. What we should have done six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really but... sad because, yeah, you have um, targets and, like, a few survivors and they're all just, like, they know what's going to happen. They're just huddling in this palace, like, this is it. This is the end. Yeah, they, they, it's, it, it's quite victorious, really. Tarvits, and they're all covered in grey ash. So they're one uniformed yeah, space yeah. marine force. Led by Saul Tarvitz. like he finally became that leader that we all fucking knew he was. 
Um, yeah, there's, that little it's like, in, there's that little inkling thing of everyone, isn't there? That it's like, I want him to live. But you know he doesn't, because they're standing out in the open watching the bombs fall on them. So you know yeah, he'll just get yeah. absolutely wiped off the face of the planet. But there is one character, Ancient Rylanor, who finds... They mention that he'd found a locked away secret space, like under under the palace. And that's yeah. the last time you ever see him. Um, and without spoilers, he does come back, but not in the heresy. Oh, that's Ancient, interesting. Yeah. yeah, look into it. I'm not going to say what it's about because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, but... If you don't want to, you know, I, don't, I can't even remember what book it's in, but it is in a book. It might be a short story, but it is also on the internet if you want to know more. Ancient Rylanor does find a secret hiding space and does survive and is around. Um, but go find out what happens to him. Because it does make me think, ooh, maybe Saul Tarvitz is about. Yeah. Um, but then, as I say, there's a whole, that whole Loken other story. You're like, okay, so what the fuck happened there then? But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the end. We end with Loken, like, laying in rubble, and he can just about see the sky through the rubble, bloody and dribbling blood and coughing up blood and all that grim stuff, and he can see the bombs falling and exploding, and then that's the end of the book, really. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's quite an emotional end, because, you know, you see it, Tarvitz, he's just, like, thinking, oh, I just hope Garrow had enough time to get, to get, the word back. I think he even does a speech, doesn't he, to his remaining men? Like we've we've done our job. We've given Gary yeah. enough time to get away. Yeah, yeah it's sad. Yeah, it's pretty fucking sad. But it's a yeah, I loved it. It's it's a fucking great story. It's a, the the just read all three of them in one go is a pleasure. It is always good to go back and do. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed it again. I think I'm going to do them just audio books next time. Um, yeah, the audiobooks are good. Yeah, I definitely yeah. one. My three books are absolutely battered. So, listeners, you know, tell us which one's your favourite out of the three. That's the question I want to know. Um, me, it's this one. It's definitely this one. But I'd be keen to see what other people think. Um, yeah. What about this you, one, I did, yeah, either the first one or this one, I think. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, maybe this one. Right, so. Um, conscious that episode's ticking along and it's probably going to be our last long episode Jamie which is pretty weird um, but it's not clocking it, we're only hour and 40-ish which is pretty cool, so we've got time for questions um, so uh, Jamie, I'm just opening up our Instagram now and the first question we've got through is from oh, Tabletop Tactics Stig hello Stig um, his question is I'm going through Horus Heresy for the first time. After the first three, is there any order that you guys would specifically go for? There's so many thoughts online, but I'm a simple man and would appreciate a push in the right direction. It's a tough, um, one. It's a tough one, because, I don't know, you're reading them in a sort of sensible order, aren't you? Uh, yeah, basically reading the order that they were published, because I always find that's the best way, because... The way they write it is obviously the way they're going to reveal stuff. So I just find it easier to do it like that. And it's it's pretty much Black Library have got um, the way they... It's just the way they're numbered, aren't they? This is book one, two, three, four. I just read it in that order. And it works because, as I say, it's the way if they're written that way, you're not going to like miss bits because just chronologically that's how it goes. Yeah. But I would say 
after the first three, you got pretty much got to read um, Fulgrim, haven't you? Yeah, I would or say, no, say the first, the Eisenstein, say maybe. The first you could read by the Eisenstein or Fulgrim. Between those two, you could probably read in either order, but yeah. those should be your next two. I would absolutely read the first five in in an order. I mean, one to three, do one to three. Fight the Eisenstein and Fulgrim. You can go either way. They're both relevant. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're both important. Um, but I'd say the first five are essential Horus Heresy reading, just to really understand how it happened and why. I think um, after that, it's a tricky one because it, there are bits where it's like really important you do read them in, in the right sequence, but there's others where it, it. So, you know, when we went to Black Library, and we've mentioned this on our Black Library live episode, where. Um, Dan Abnett was framing the Horus Heresy for people where it was meant it was never meant to be when they first envisioned it it wasn't a detailed timeline and they were going to go from A to Z in the narrative it was going to be a tapestry do you remember you used the word tapestry which was like yeah yeah we were just going to pick things we liked the idea of and write a book and that's how Legion happened and that's how Descent of Angels happened and Mechanicum happened it wasn't because they were like important at the time to tell that story in the release, it was because that was the thing the writer wanted to write about. It was only when it got to like, um, I think it was like around No No Fear, when they started doing the Kalth story, they realised yeah. people want to be driven forward, like they need, so they did No No Fear and then quite a few books around that were all about Kalth. So you got like um, No No Fear and then there's all the additional smaller ones like McCrag's Honour, The Honoured, The Unburdened. Then you had like um, some short story books come out. Then you had Mark of Kalf and Unremembered Empire. Betrayer, Betrayer is, is very much an Ultramarines book as well as a uh, World Eaters and Word Bearers book. So like, yeah, that's heretic book. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so there, there, there are there are ways of reading it. I mean, uh, me and James, I remember I just went on a Ultramarines tangent and I just read all the Ultramarines books and then I went, oh, now I want to read about the world eaters and the word bearers so I did the first heretic and and then I did betrayer and like there's there's loads of little plug-in sections it's almost like I think your way of doing it makes sense you know just read it in order but Black Library definitely 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 released a timeline a couple of years ago and I've never seen it since I don't know what they did with it I reckon they deleted it maybe they didn't want people to do it in the way that they proposed but they gave yeah. loads of different reading orders like and I, you know, like all the Loken stories or all the Garrow stories or all of the Khan the Betrayer stories. Like there is definitely a way, a different way of doing it. It just depends on what your flavor is and like what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you know what the end story. You know what happens in the end anyway. So it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I don't, I've just read all the Garrow stories and they're pretty much near the end, sort of. So yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't really matter that much. Cool. So I guess Stig, um, my, our steer is probably read them in order. I know it's going to be painful, but you've got fifty odd books and more to go. So just just read the synopsis of the back of the book, and you like if this story doesn't really. I mean, I haven't read. I, oh, I listened to the two Dark Angel stories on audiobook, but they literally have nothing. No, they, nothing they to do with the Horus Heresy. No, they're not relevant until like. Um, Unremembered Empire, like when the Lion story comes back in and the Luther story gets plugged yeah. back in, 
But even in, the, in that book, it will explain to you what has happened at the beginning anyway, so you don't really need to know the whole backstory. Yeah, I think the only thing that is important, and I think it's worth calling out, is Zahiral, the main character in the first book, The, the Descent of Angels. Yeah. Really important character, and I'm not going to say anything about it. That character did not go where I thought he was going to go, and it blows my mind. The layers and layers of treachery and betrayal and watching the Dark Angels be as complex as they are. It, I, I do like it. I just think Descent of Angels could have come out like six years later. It didn't have to come yeah. out as early in the fucking series as it did because it threw everyone. You had these the first five books which were like all about Istvan 3 and the betrayal. And then they took you right back to the Great Crusade and introduced the Dark Angels. And it yeah, like, and even the, the first... Out of those two Dark Angels ones, you probably really kind of just have to read the second one. The first one is literally just about him as a child. Yeah, the first which whole gives half a great book. backstory. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I don't need to read this. Yeah, I mean, I love it, but the whole first half of the book is techno-barbarians in a forest. Which yeah. is great. They have, like, archaic bolt pistols and chainsaws, but they still ride horses, which I thought was really funny. Um, so cool, Stig. I hope that helps. Um, I think not, on the web, as I say, Black Library website has a form of reading order, but it's it's literally just the way they're numbered. So yeah, yeah. but they definitely used to have like these like cool flow charts almost of like yeah they're really comp- I did see one they're quite complicated there I think maybe it was the reason they got rid of them because it's like oh it's quite yeah it's quite intermeshed so yeah okay so next question is from Dick Vidhast. Uh he says so many questions did Magnus do nothing wrong which Primarch is the most insane should I buy the Teclis and Tyrion Omnibus what do you spend your co- podcast fame and fortune on cheers from the Netherlands oh, I love the Netherlands hello Netherlands so let's go through those Jamie quick fire did Magnus do nothing wrong Oh no, he did so much wrong. He, he is like so all deep He's a wrong. fucking idiot. I don't <laughs> yeah, get this like he, he did nothing wrong. He absolutely did things wrong. He's a he, moron. I mean, he might not have done it from a perspective of him like being like Horace, like I want to be warpy evil, but he did so. He fucked up bad. When so, your dad's yeah. saying to you, stop doing that for these reasons, you know, I can't tell you everything, but just trust me. I'm the smartest man in the universe. Listen to me. Yeah, and listen. you know I'm the smartest man in the universe. It's not just, like, yeah. yeah, you know this. So, just yeah, listen it's... to me for a minute. Like, yeah, okay, so yes, Magnus is a moron. Um, which Primarch is the most insane? Um, I mean, the obvious choice is Conrad. Um, oh, I mean, with yeah, is, t- from a psychological point of view, I think probably he is. Yeah. Yeah. He, has, he has clarity, right? He has pure clarity. Of, I like murdering things, and the universe is fucked. Like, that's, that's his crazy... Um, you could say Gilliman's insane in like rigidness, and there's so many layers. But Kurz is definitely the most insane. Uh, yeah, I... like um, you know the, when they say about the peanut, the characters in Snoopy and Peanuts, each one is like a different um, mental like health issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Charlie Brown is like depression. There's, there's all sorts. Each one represents a different thing. So that's like the Primarchs. So they each represent a different insanity. Well, like Winnie the Pooh, they're all different versions of mental. Yeah, health. yeah, yeah. Um, should I buy the Teclius Anterian Omnibus? I've not read them, but I'm going to say yes. You should always read anything you want to read. Have you read them? Which ones? Teclius Anterian. So I think they're High Elves from Fantasy. 
Uh, I haven't read that. I'm not a big High Elf fan, and to be honest you're with you, that's not really my... You're a dwarf it's, at heart. Yeah, it's not my... I am, yeah. I'm a, I love big Punk beers. life dwarf big at bellies. heart. Yeah. Um, what do you spend your podcasting fame and fortune on? Uh, I mean, if we're making fame and fortune, Jamie's keeping it really quiet. <laughs> I mean, our fame, uh, our fame, I'm not going to lie, our fame stock has gone up. We're, um, it's... Without going numbers, we're you know it's growing. We are growing, and we really appreciate that people are actually listening to us. We didn't think they would, but fortune—that's a totally different story. No, literally, any we made some money from the t-shirts, and as we as we said we would do, we gave that to um, a good cause, some charity that was left over, and then anything we do sell, like the stickers, literally that money covers the cost of making the stickers and then sending them out across the world. Yeah. So. And like the hosting the podcast, which is nominal, really. Um, I'd love to do. Hey guys, just send us money. We we don't want to work full time anymore. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> I just want to do I this. We do Patreon, but yeah. I don't think we do enough to make people give us money. I think we're too maybe a bit too laid back for that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So thank you for your questions, Dick Vadhurst, and um, lovely to know we've got listeners in the Netherlands. My Dan, my one of our one of my friends, one of our game friends, he lived in um, The Hague for, I think it was nearly three years, so I used to go there quite a lot. Big fan of Holland. Um, next one's from our boy Dungeons, Dragons and Jack. Um, regular commenter, so thanks, dude. Um, if you could choose any Legion to be inducted to into, which would you go for and why? Also, you guys rule. Cheers. That's nice. Um, cheers dude that's really nice um, yeah. go on Jamie you go first which legion if you could choose to be inducted into would it be oh, I think there's two you can have two choices one you'd like to be inducted to and one that you probably would be inducted to uh, that's yeah, nice, but, man. we're spinning your question I, yeah one I'd probably be inducted to is Ultramines because I'm probably just really boring but <laughs> just really <laughs> Ultramines aren't boring Ultramines are fucking amazing I know I'm joking I know nothing um, I don't know I mean I always do just because reading those Night Lord books, I just want to be a Night Lord. I just want to be like taking skulls and a doing goth. that. A goth. <laughs> just causing chaos in the fucking universe. But I don't know. Um, you know, I probably, I really like, I quite like to know more about Imperial Fist because I've not really read any of their stories and they always seem really cool. When you ever meet, um, Sigismund in the books and stuff. He seems like a really cool dude. So yeah, maybe nice. Imperial Fist. Yeah, nice, nice. Mine would be uh, if I could choose any legion to be inducted into, it'd probably be the Ultramarines. Um, I think they are the best legion. There's a reason there was like a quarter of a million of them. Like they're an insanely large legion because they're efficient and they're good at what they do. Um, but they get knocked for being rigid, and it's like actually. When you read a lot of the stories about um, the Codex Astartes being created during the heresy, when Gilliman realised that the importance of him needing to break down the governance and government of the Imperium so that no one man could hold that much power again, the complexity and intelligence going into that that Codex like is humblingly cool. Like I really think it's amazing. And it was never meant to be a step-by-step guide on how to fight a battle. It was always meant to be intended as, you're a warrior, trust your instincts and gut, but tell you what, this is how you do this and this is how you do that. Um, I think that's fucking amazing. That's so much more complex and deep to me than like 
being a world eater because you've got a chainsaw. Do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah. I mean, they're based on the Roman Empire, and there's a reason why the Roman Empire was so successful for so long. Yeah. It's because they knew what to do and how to do it really well. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a lot of time. Um, so, yeah, cheers to that, dude. Um, and thank you for the lovely you guys rule. It's true, we do. Um, so badly. So badly. Uh, so someone called AOS Rookie asked, is your podcast only for 40k? I mean, that's a fair question because everything we've done has been in the grim dark. but no is the answer. Um, our next episode, and it'll be a shorter one, we're going to be doing... Um, oh, fuck, what's it called? You're reading it now, aren't you? Uh, yeah, we're doing the first of the Gotrek and Felix books. Um, we've, we've always said we never want to just do, like... All the Horus Heresy books, or all the or whatever books, it's a for us. It's a smorgasbord of whatever we like the look of. Um, so yeah, we've we we've gone out of our way, really, haven't we, to go right? We have to do a Warhammer one because we really should. Um, but we wanted to read it anyway, and you've read it, but I haven't until now. Um, so yeah, yeah, and it's sort of tied in with it being re-released in the new in the new fluff. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah um, and. I'd like to do some AO, Age of Sigmar books soon um, in the next year. Um, Soul Wars would be a great one. I'd fucking love to read that again. Um, that's a beast of a book. That was like a 14-hour audiobook. It was so long, but it's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, no, we're not 40k only. Um, we will do other stuff. You know, there's even... Jamie, we've got to think... Uh, that's just made me think. There's Necromunda books. There's all sorts. There's yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... <laughs> blood, there's Blood Bowl books. I mean, yeah, there's loads. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll get on that soon. Um, you tell us. You write to us. Contact us, people. Yeah, and tell us what you want to yeah. hear. We are here to be for you. Be pleased. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Um, so someone called. So yeah, thank you for your question. Uh, the Minotaurs, Minotaurs. Um, uh, oh, they've just said. Uh, to your post, Jamie, where you're like, oh, we're going to do uh, Galaxy and Flames, they're gone. Unreal. I'm just now listening to... F I'm now listening to Fight the Eisenstein. I literally just finished Galaxy and Flames. Well, we we know we're watching you. We timed it perfectly. Yeah. You probably <laughs> know the story better than us, so... <laughs> <laughs> should have probably had you on to explain the story and not yeah, mumble like we, we do. We definitely but... <laughs> missed loads of it. Um, yeah. so that's it from questions on the post you did. I'm just going to look back at oh, the... The Minotaur's guy, I know, I, yeah, I remember him. He's he, he's basically got an army of Minotaurs, which is really cool. That's a really appropriate name for a page. I know, it's, but he's done some cool conversions to make them look like that. Oh, which awesome. was, and he asked about when I posted about um, Aaron Demonsbowski's new book. Ah, yes, uh, yes. Oh, his stuff is beautiful. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, it's yeah. like bronze, but it's like aged really nicely as well with like the oxide stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, Very and appropriate. Cool. They're in the they're in the Spear of Emperor, aren't they? Yeah, they're part of the um. There's a there's a uh, so Aaron Dembski Bowden's like really good at world building uh, space marines that like aren't front and center. So like he did like the Celestial Lions as part of the Armageddon campaign. He basically created a space marine chapter that became really popular, and he did it with um, a bunch of others. But he like builds them into bigger narratives. So like they're in the background, and then he'll go and do a book about them. Do you know what I mean? Like he's really smart yeah, at getting yeah. that layer in. So like this Spears of the Emperor, I was reading about it. They're one of three Space Marine chapters charged with protecting this one area, um, and they all really respect each other like brothers, even though they're all different chapters. 
and I think the Celestial Lions are part of that three. I think it's Celestial. I could be wrong. I think it's Celestial Lions mentors. You know the. Um, I don't think it's the Minotaurs, I think it's the Mentors. Uh, oh, right, okay. The green ones with the white shoulder pads. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. Minotaurs, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 but still, M-M-M. But anyway, yeah, no, um, Minotaurs, I'm pretty certain he has written about those as well, though. I'm 99% sure Aaron Dempsey-Bowden has done a story on Minotaurs. Um, yeah, that's it from questions. Sorry, the Minotaurs, you, you've said, questions, questions, I'll have a think, but I'm afraid you're too late. We're out of time. We're out of time. Um, any other questions? I'm just looking through our Instagram post. Uh, I know this is people telling us about things we should change or think about changing, which we've already discussed. Um, yeah, that's it then, Jamie. That's that's the end of the podcast. I've, I think we're done. We are done, people. Um, so, Jamie, what? What we say we're doing next? We're doing Troll... Troll Slayer. Troll Slayer. Nice. Uh, so, we're done for the year. So, Merry Christmas, listeners. Thank you for putting up with me and Jamie trying to get episodes out. It's been really fun. Uh, just, like, quick year in review. It's very DIY. Like, <laughs> we yeah. have had to just go, right, let's plug these things in and try this thing out and just get on with it. Um, yeah, there have been so many times before recording we'd be like, oh my god, I can't get this to work. Jamie, I can't fucking hear you. Yeah, it's been good fun. Um, but no, you know, we can see this, the data behind the, the, the listening. It's really going up recently. It's been really exciting to just be like, oh fuck, people really like what we're doing. And we really, really respect, um, uh, you know, respond nicely to that. I, think it's, it's, I only want to do it because I like talking about it so much. You know, it's that's that's it. That's the main goal. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see people like want to hear us chat, which is really weird because I sound posh and odd. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're both like we hate our voice; it's horrible. Yeah, just you can tell I grew up in London and then Brighton. Fucking gross, but no, it's really exciting, and I really I love the feedback we get. Um, please just always reach out for us questions, like ask us anything, book or not. Like we we just like chatting; it's great. So next episode in the new year, likely probably actually going to be maybe a hobby one, Jamie. Like because you still need to read Troll Hunter and it's Christmas time. Slayer, 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 Slayer oh, series. Oh, okay. they're, all, they're all Troll something, aren't they? No, they're all something Slayer. That's, oh, that's right. the thing. I'm never going to remember that. I'm never ever going to remember that. Troll Slayer, Skaven Slayer, Demon Slayer, they're all Slayers. Mind Hunter, that's why. Like Buffy I've been watching, Slayer, yeah. I've been watching Mind Hunter, that's why. Uh, good so series. Got, yeah, good it is series. really good. So I've got that in my head, which is why I'm just always going to say Troll Hunter. It's a way, <laughs> way better name. Um, yeah, that book that Jamie keeps repeating, um, you need to read it, right? Again. Um, yeah, I'm halfway through it again, but I'm, to be honest, over Christmas, I'm, it's been a. I've, taken ages doing it this time so I might just re- redo it all because they're only short, short little stories so yeah I might just redo it over Christmas that's going to be interesting actually um, how we review that because it's lots of different stories um, yeah they are sort of one story but it's sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean yeah, yeah. Uh, okay cool so uh, again thank you everyone uh, for listening it's been really really fun this year so season 2 we come back with new and improved and exciting format um Looking forward to hearing what you think, and uh, yeah, Merry Christmas and all that jazz. Yeah, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Filthy fucking animals. Bye. Bye. Peace. Peace.